Hello and welcome to the Athletic Business Podcast. I'm Jason Scott. I'm Andy Berg. And today on the show we're talking esports. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, an area that's really growing in the industry, uh, athletics and recreation. Uh, we're seeing a lot of growth uh, across kind of the entire landscape, but it's something that I think a lot of our listeners are probably a little bit confused about. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking with Lee Serrett, uh, and he is an associate principal with Perkins & Will. He uh, gave a talk at AB Show this last year that was um, all about esports. So he's uh, kind of something of an expert. Um, and uh, we'll be back with our conversation with Lee in just a moment. Uh, but first, a quick break. Athletic Business Magazine is a trade publication that 40,000 athletics, fitness, and recreation professionals rely on to find the tips, trends, and products they need to be successful. Want to join? Head on over to athleticbusiness.com slash subscribe to get started or renew your free subscription. Coming right up is my conversation with Lee Starrett, Associate Principal with Perkins & Will in their Denver office. A uh, quick programming note, uh, the audio quality here is not great. We caught Lee on his cell phone. So if you'll bear with us, it's a worthwhile discussion. And without further ado, here we go. So uh, I understand that you were able to take some time to like really study esports. Uh, can you tell? Can you just tell me a little bit in broad terms what um, we mean when we talk about the term esports? Well, yeah. I mean, esports is uh, right. It's electronic gaming, and this is something that's been around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just been uh, recently starting to take off in terms of uh, this. It's a, it's a new way of competing, right? It's mm-hmm. a way to uh, have folks who might otherwise not be able to participate in uh, traditional sports mm-hmm. um, do some competitive engagement through um, electronic gaming. And and that's really the correlation on the sports side, right? Sure, is sure. To, uh, is, to, is, is to provide that provide that other opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's actually important for us to maybe address up front um, why this is something that, say, an athletic director or maybe a recreation program ought to consider, or why it's something that uh, why is it something that they should care about? Well, sure. Yeah, demand. That's the reason, right? I mean, there are so this is an open door for a lot of uh, individuals who may not have had uh, this kind of opportunity before. Sure. And I think that you know a lot of um, what built to this point was a lot of participation in sort of behind-the-scenes uh, locations. And now with um, where we are with being able to share things digitally and, and participate across long distances, um, having really regulated uh, team uh, competition as far as esports is concerned, mm-hmm. is, that's been part of it. And the other thing is the audience... Um, the audience share, you know, people who are willing to not only participate, but also watch Mm -hmm. uh, is astronomical at this point. And and a lot of those are global numbers, but there's, you know, I think every, uh, every division one college, well, in division two and three, for that matter, um, college has a club or a sanctioned team or whatever. So, so kids coming out of high school and then into college, many, many, uh, those kids are involved in in, in esports. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly interesting, and it, it seems like maybe it's uh, 
you know, that younger generation who's, who's hitting college right now, I mean, it's something that they've kind of grown up with and, um, yeah, being able to kind of offer that to your constituents, if, if you're a rec program or if you're uh, an athletics program even, uh, I imagine that's got to be an attractive kind of uh, offer for uh, kind of reaching and engaging this younger audience. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the I mean, there are, there are definitely um, technological components that mm-hmm. are necessary to kind of facilitate this. But for the most part, it's yeah, that's the other reason for the vast acceptance is that it's not hard to establish a team. It's not hard to establish a, uh, an environment where kids can get down and play. And it's not just kids; it's it's adults as well mm-hmm. who can participate in this and 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 play. So there's just not a lot of um, you know background cost that would prohibit somebody from making this available. Sure. Now, um, one thing that uh, I'm curious about, just uh, given your background as an architect, what uh, kind of spurred the interest in esports as a subject? Uh, you know, that's interesting. So, you know, we um, I have done uh, arenas and um, recreation facilities in that for more than 20 years now, mm-hmm. and we started to see more and more. Uh, sort of on the fringe, just like anything where something starts to gain steam, elements of um, both venue operators and uh, local community centers and things like that interested in trying to bring some of this to the fore. So um, maybe three, four years ago, uh, it really started becoming um, becoming popular enough that it was also being debated as far as whether or not this would be a uh, NCAA-sanctioned environment, whether this would go forward as an Olympic sport, Mm -hmm. um, sort of all those pieces coming together. So as all of that became um, more and more of interest to the people that we were doing work with, uh, we certainly decided that it was time that we understood what it was about. And so we did a couple of internal research projects here at our firm and um you know the end result of that was uh, a lot of people here who recognized that this was the real deal and this is something that has a lot of potential benefit for anybody who's doing a new facility sure yeah absolutely now um there's, there's a lot of things that I want to kind of circle back to in that answer, but uh, one of the things that we kind of touched on earlier in the conversation was um, just kind of how it's uh, electronic gaming has really kind of grown into this juggernaut now. Um, can you maybe, you know, at, at the show, I know you spoke about the, kind of the evolution of esports. Can you maybe just kind of like walk us through that uh, in broad terms? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, we touched on this a little bit before where there have been some um, electronic gaming tournaments that have existed for the better part of 30, uh, 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were pretty small and, and, and in between and, and rather kitschy. A lot of it was, you know, technology based yeah. as far as having the technology to pull all of that together to turn it into something that was, um, a legitimate enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, uh, you know, I think over the last, Oh, five years or so, the 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 absolute um, uh, you know the huge the huge explosion of this has really been both parallel in the Asian markets and in the American markets, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the 
combination of those two pieces and the promise to create this thing that's really totally global um, has, has, I think, helped spur a lot of interest. You know, there's an interesting piece now. Uh, early on, I think there were elements of how does a, how does a spectator latch on to this as a uh, as an entertainment component, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy with a, with traditional sports. You have a favorite team, or you have a favorite player, and and the structure of uh, esports even five years ago was a little more fluid. It was people were still trying to figure out the right organizing mechanisms to mm-hmm. create leagues and to create teams and to create the environment where where you could start to have allegiances with both um, athletes and teams, and and that's really what's started to come together in the last year or two are some pretty some some pretty um congealed uh conferences and, and areas where people can can play and and that's really the difference of where we were from even 10 years ago sure sure now we t- we also touched on this a little bit earlier in the conversation um but uh, i'm just wondering if you can maybe tell us a little bit about um you know what about esports um Specifically, being like an attract or accessible kind of uh, program, um, what kind of role does that play in in um, you know the popularity of this uh, as 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 a trend moving forward in um, both recreation and athletics? And explain what you mean by accessible. So you mean accessible to, uh, to spectators or players. Uh, mostly players. I mean, it's an inclusive a- yeah. activity. Yeah, yeah. More than anything else, when you talk about the capacities for competitions so often they were really driven by size and strength. Right? Mm-hmm. That that was the those were the guiding pieces behind whether or not you were successful. Right. Um to some degree agility and you know, there are other elements that don't necessarily take that on. Um but by and large it was about those two elements and that created divisions between young and old, between men and women, um between different levels of physical ability and not. And so the great thing with esports is that it, it really eliminates that as a priority. It makes it so that anyone um, who's, you know, who's practiced and has really absorbed this as their um, sport of choice can compete at a variety of levels. Sure. There, there just aren't the barriers that there, were, that there are in, in other traditional sports, which that makes it so exciting. Yeah, I, I imagine that uh, the option to kind of compete with, uh, you know, people of a different gender or, you know, even of different um, abilities, you know, like it, it, does, it doesn't really matter if you're, say, in a, in a, wheel, a wheelchair user, if, uh, if you have the full use of your hands and stuff, you can go ahead. And, and even, uh, even then, I, I'm sure there's a adaptive equipment for esports um, uh, that's available uh, to, to people who don't necessarily have uh, full use of their hands as well, so... Yeah, absolutely, and you know, to the level that the, you know, that the moniker sports kind of uh, helps bring, you know, people into paying attention to this as a as an opportunity. You know, the 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 element of that is that it, like we said before, it's being totally inclusive, and that that means that for individuals they can participate at a high level, but also that there's no deviation in teams, right? You can have a fully blended team of a variety of ages, genders, um, physical capacities can all participate on a team and they can all participate even remotely. Sure. Um, 
you know, you can have a team built up of uh, folks from different countries and really across the board. And, and there's a whole new way that those teams can build um, alliances and, and ways to compete at a high level that just aren't out there when you're, um, you need to do, do your sport in person. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we've probably uh, done a done an okay job selling folks on the merits of esports. Um, but considering, uh, or, you know, thinking about, hopefully we've we've accomplished that today, um, and we've gotten people interested. What do folks need to consider to get started at their own facility uh, in terms of like equipment or hardware or even just like yeah. internet access? Well, yeah, I mean, the, when we talk about um, the old the old cliche in sports about a level playing field, mm-hmm. that is that is your your data access for the most part. Um, computer consoles and the equipment that are being used uh, is is pretty standard and pretty straightforward, but the ability to connect at a consistent level on the internet mm-hmm. is that's the nature of the level playing field. So. Um, that's really the biggest thing is to ensure that there's adequate capacity for individuals to be able to um, have fast refresh rates and things like that on their sure. on their games that they're playing. Uh, our experience has said that, especially at the higher competition levels, that athletes will um, tend to bring their own peripherals, their own their own keyboards, their own mice, their own headsets, those pieces, and they're really relying on facilities to. Uh, have the hard drive, the connection, um, and the monitors. And so uh, there are other elements, too, as far as, you know, that can be really pretty expensive as far as providing that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of um, opportunities to partner up with computer manufacturers who are interested in having having some advertising possibility there where they will participate in in a refresh of computers every two to five years that make sure that they're on the highest, um, you know, the, the best and the, and the greatest instead of having the facility have to purchase them sure. on that kind of cycle. Yeah. Um, now another one, one final question for you before I let you go. Well, actually maybe yeah. I, I may, uh, have a couple more. Let's, uh, <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun here, but, uh, another thing that you kind of mentioned, uh, in your talk at the AB show, um, you spoke about the different kind of types of esports facilities, um, and I'm just wondering if there are differences in, in terms of what uh, people need to consider based on their level. So, like, how does a recreational facility, say, yeah. differ from a competition venue or even a professional venue? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's an important piece to understand. I mean, for the most part, um, a community level or a uh, anything that doesn't have a uh, a home team associated with it is pretty straightforward in terms of the facilities that you need to provide. You know, it's really about a, a gaming space. A lot of them need to, or, or provide an opportunity for some people to stream uh, on the, on the web as far as what they're, um, you know, what they're playing and, and how they interact on that level. Um, but really it's, it's, you have some spectator amenities and you have some, some pretty standard pieces but once you get into an environment more like a university or uh, even a pro level where you have a, a team function associated with it, then you start building in some of the more traditional elements that you might find in a, in a standard athletic facility, mm-hmm. like strength and conditioning, like locker rooms, like sports medicine. All of those support spaces 
training space, um, coaching space, all those things apply when you actually have this as a home base for a, for a team. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's that's one thing that I'm uh, just interested in. And I, I know that there's a lot of questions, just uh, especially, I think, among our audience uh, with regards to esports. Now, uh, I think a lot of people kind of look at esports with a skeptical eye. Um, people take issue with the application of the word sports to something that, you know, until relatively recently was just kind of considered a hobby. Um, but, like, so yeah. why, why do esports athletes even need to... Um, be worried about things like their physical conditioning, strength and conditioning, stuff like that. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, to, to, the reason is because, just like anything, to compete at esports at a high level, uh, it takes um, an immense amount of practice and preparation and training. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the rigors of that, even though they're not the same in terms of um, physical capacity, uh, you do find that athletes for esports are. Um, they perform better on uh, good nutrition and sleep cycles. They perform better with uh, a certain amount of um, regulated team activity as far as you know the strength and conditioning and, um, and those pieces. And so a lot of that, just like you would do in any other element, um, the more you can the more you can provide for them to recover and, and train appropriately, the better off they can perform. And as the stakes get higher and higher, you talk about saving, um, you know, milliseconds off of the capacity to do a particular a particular move or whatever in the gaming environment, and that's where the highest level of competition um, is getting to. Yeah, and with uh, you know some of these purses that are on the line for uh, some of these professional competitions, you know, those milliseconds can really make all the difference. So, um, absolutely, yeah, just like anything. Uh, you know, they say it's a game of inches, it's a game of milliseconds, it's uh, it's all about performance. That's right. So That's right, that's right. And, and I think uh, on some level, some of those um, recovery elements are still being worked out in terms of one of the longer-term negative impacts of, um, um, you know, practicing and, and, and playing esports for, you know, some, some athletes are practicing and performing, you know, eight, 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. every day. So that's a long time to be really in hyper-focus yeah. on events. Right? Absolutely. Um, so as we wrap up here, uh, I'm wondering if you can maybe project into the future for us. Um, in about five or ten years, what do you think the esports landscape is going to look like? That, and that's a, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I could probably uh, make a good amount of money if I actually knew the answer. <laughs> uh, but, but based on where things have gone, I mean, there's been so much change in even the last five years that it's, that it's hard to predict where things will be five years from now. But looking at where they've gone, uh, I would certainly say that we'll expect to see um, sort of larger affiliations with uh, team structures and pro leagues and in college um, competition leagues, and um, really, um, as long as the existing game structure stays similar, mm-hmm. then I think that it's it's reasonable that those things will follow the same kind of trajectory that they have been. Where there are uh, there are larger uh, prize monies out there available, and again, more team structures, etc. But the flip side to that is. 
in five years, it's really hard to suggest what would be the most popular game and the one that's driving um, the most competition and revenue. Sure. And, and by that, um, you know, what's driving the, the course that it will take. I think one thing that is a that is maybe dogging eSports right now is a, is an idea about location. And the, the better our... Um, the better our, our internet access, the better our ability to compete across distances. Um, I think we'll see this more and more as a global opportunity to participate. You know, really anywhere in the country. It won't just be about uh, two collegiate schools necessarily being able to play against each other. It could be you know someone in, in the United States and someone in Australia or sure. what have you. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be, it's certainly going to be interesting to uh, watch how this develops. And I think uh, the pace at which it already has has is, is kind of been uh, alarming to some, but it's uh, exciting as well. So a lot of opportunity yeah, yeah. Here, uh, here, and I think there's uh, some good, good opportunity for our listeners to uh, get on board and uh, get on the train before it really leaves the station here. So, Well, and I think that's an important piece. You know, it's, it is still building momentum. Um, and it's, uh, although it's moving fast, it's certainly uh, a prime opportunity for folks who have been thinking about getting involved to really, you know, um, dive in and, and, and create something that's, that's available for either their students or for their constituents or what have you. So um, the train hasn't left yet. <laughs> yeah, so good time to get on board. Um, well, that's going to yeah. do it for, 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 uh, for me today, Lee. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you. AB Today is a daily e-newsletter that provides professionals within the athletics, fitness, and recreation industry with relevant, fast-reading nationwide stories. Sign up at athleticbusiness.com slash e-news and enjoy great content from Athletic Business every weekday. All right. Here we are back in the studio. Welcome back. Yeah. Great interview, Jason. Thank you. Yeah, you know, so uh, hopefully we've managed to uh, decode esports for uh, you all today. Um, but some of the things that Lee and, uh, and I talked about um, that I thought, thought were, was really interesting was just kind of the grassroots way in which this sport has kind of developed. I mean, like um, Lee mentioned at one point in our conversation that, you know, electronic gaming, is, as he kind of called it, has been around and like, you know, tournaments for this kind of thing have, have been around for you know, decades. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the new branding of it is is being called esports. I think is maybe, you know, um, gotten some people's dander up and yeah. uh, um, confused people a little bit as to like what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I've talked to a number of people in the industry about esports, and you know, a lot of them are saying, "Don't get caught up in the semantics." Right. That the the term sport is almost um, limiting in a way mm-hmm. um, because of how much this activity is about inclusivity, mm-hmm. especially on college campuses where you have, I mean, what's the percentage of students that actually get to participate in a varsity or a, a college varsity sport? Mm-hmm. Not many. Um, and how this, you know, I think you mentioned in the interview, um, even somebody who might use a wheelchair is able to participate in this kind of competition. Sure. Um, so anyway, I just think, um, maybe that's something that 
everybody can think about a little bit is just not getting so caught up in this is a sport. Clearly, you know, sports are about, in most cases, physical activity. Right. And there's limited physical activity here. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's you hit on a really important point there, and that is that this is an activity that is inclusive. It welcomes people into your facility. If you're a recreation program and you run uh, an esports program out of yeah. your rec center, you're going to reach a different audience than you might otherwise reach. You know, I mean, not everybody is going to be interested in playing a uh, pickup basketball game right. or, you know, signing up for a flag football league or something like that, or even just going in to lift weights or, you know, run on the treadmill for 20 minutes. But right. if you open this up, you're going to engage more people. You're going to get more people in, into your facility, first of all, and then you're going to just, you know, maybe turn on some interests that might not have otherwise been there. Right. So exactly. Uh, inclusivity is never a bad thing. And no. that's one thing that I think that we should note uh, about this conversation and the trend overall. It's just... This is maybe a little bit of a niche subject. Something Some people are naturally a little bit skeptical of it, but I think that it's important um, that we just kind of try and leave some of our judgments at the door and just, you know, welcome people in however yeah. we can get them. And, you know, so, some of the things that I, I've been reading about lately with some of the esports teams is that, you know, they're very aware that, you know, their coaches are very aware that sitting in a chair and playing video games for five hours straight is not healthy and it's right. not going to improve your performance. So they're taking breaks, they're doing exercises in between um, sessions of gaming. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is that, you know, just because somebody's involved in esports does not necessarily mean that they're inactive. They right. may That's true. they may be into hiking, they may play on an intramural basketball team or um, but I think I think we have to sort of lay it, set aside a lot of our notions about who these people are that play uh, are, are esports enthusiasts. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, less judgment overall, right. and yeah. let's just maybe uh, you know be generous with uh, with this new kind of program. And um, you know, it's 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 an opportunity. We should get excited about it. Says the editor so. who recently purchased a PS4. Am I correct? That's correct. Switch? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, I love playing them, too. (laughs) So uh, we'll be back uh, to wrap things up here in just a moment, but first a quick break. AV Show is the only event that hosts athletics, fitness, and recreation manufacturers all on one show floor, giving you access to a wide variety of exhibitors who have everything you need to effectively manage and equip your programs and facilities. Learn more and register at avshow.com. All right, and welcome back. Um... I guess just a few housekeeping things uh, to close things out here today. Um, First up is uh, our college rec survey. Right. Um, so we're we've been asking a, a lot of you from uh, in, a lot from you rather in terms of survey responses recently. So, yeah. um, but this is going to be focused on our uh, recreation readers. So, uh, if you uh, work in a recreation facility, uh, please take a few moments to fill out that survey. We'll add a link to that in the show notes. Uh, make it easy to find. Um, and there's also you know links on our website as well. Yeah, and it, we should we should say that. We have a few more surveys coming throughout the year, and they're all directed at different segments of our audience, and they're really aimed at getting a better idea of um, those different segments and where they're at in terms of facilities, in terms of programming. Um, so the results, for the, you know, if you do participate, um, should be really interesting. Right, and obviously the more people who we get to participate, the better the results, the more nuance, and the, yeah. uh, more valuable the information. So. And there's chances to win. Yes, yeah, we're we're giving away more Amazon gift cards. Yes. So uh, do do find that survey, 
you get a chance to win a gift card. You provide us with some value, valuable information. Uh, we, we get to provide the readers with that information. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, then one final thing is uh, the fact that uh, March, our, our March issue, which is the buyer's guide, is, is coming up around the corner here. Um, we're, we're always thinking a little bit ahead here at Athletic Business. Um, so uh, in the month of March, our, our print content is going to be a little bit, uh, you know, slower. Um, sure. But do uh, subscribe to our newsletter, AV Today. So, um, you know, stick with us uh, online. Subscribe to the newsletter. We're producing content for the newsletter every day. Uh, and that doesn't slow down. So um, if you're just kind of itching for an athletics news, recreation, fitness kind of hit, you know, hit us up on the newsletter, AV Today. And uh, we'll put a link to subscribe in the show notes as well. Yep. Sounds good. I think that's all we have. And I guess with that, uh, we'll see you next time. And take it easy.